Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's the 1st of March. March came in like a lovely little lamb here in the state of Kansas. And because of that, we can only hope that we have a nice, fearful, wintry end to the month. I don't think that'll happen. Welcome. I'm so, I'm so glad that you're uh, listening uh, to the podcast today. Um, wanted to focus a little bit as much as it's possible to focus on the State of the Union address. Um, the State of the Union address was disjointed. It reminded me a lot of my podcast last night, and I apologize for that if you listen to it. I opted not to get rid of it simply because I felt like there was some good stuff in it. We'll try to not make this one this way. The president stumbled many times, and... Uh, that's understandable, I guess, but there were some pretty sizable gaffes, and ultimately, what he's done, he's hitched his uh, political future to Ukraine and what's going to happen over there. And the truth is, that was pretty big risk. I mean, he spent most of his energy talking about Ukraine and how strong they are, and of course, the Ukrainian people should be applauded, as opposed to the Iranian people which is what he said in his remarks, one of the gaffes. We're finding out now that Russian soldiers had been told that they were coming in to be peacekeepers, which is what Putin told the world initially, and that the Ukrainian people would welcome them. And they're finding out now, of course, that that was not the case or that the welcome that the Ukrainian people are providing is not cheers and ticker tape parades and such, but Molotov cocktails, IEDs, and uh, all sorts of other tactics used against uh a larger army. Well, I say larger, but in reality, Ukraine can muster as far as man-to-man probably a comparable force to what's there now. Not as heavily trained. They're not, they're not professional soldiers. But the government has provided them with automatic weapons, something to think about in this country where they're fearful of a weapon that kills less people than a hammer a year. But the big news of the night, besides the fact that the speech was very disjointed, is that he's doubling down on everything that he's done wrong so far in his first year. Well, now we're in his second year, so... He's decided that that's the only way that they can move forward. The simple solution for most of Biden's economic problems and foreign policy problems, the border excluded, is to quote Sarah Palin, the candidate for vice president for the Republicans in 2008, Drill, baby, drill. Now, 
Obama, President Obama, well, candidate Obama, Senator Obama at the time, made fun of that statement, said, you cannot drill your way to energy independence. And I would say, with all due respect, Mr. President, the United States did drill our way to energy independence. Now you can say, well, why aren't the companies producing like they were before? Why are we no longer energy independent? Well, when you're sitting on leases and and permissions to drill and such, but the government has banned future leases and drilling and exploration on federal lands, you have to take a step back and say, we want to keep this production going for as long as possible. And so we may not want to pump it all out of the ground today. Not that they could. Remember, companies traditionally in the past, I'm not sure it's the case now, don't think in terms of months or years, but decades. They have to know where they're going next. They have to know, you know, when you start building infrastructure for such, uh, like the pipeline, we see what happens to that. The pipeline gets shut down. And while shutting down the Nord pipeline for Russia uh, through the Baltic Sea is maybe strategically an option, in reality, should not be shutting down infrastructure like that. It's like the Keystone Pipeline in the United States. Because people invest in those things. President Biden talked about the investment, a $20 billion investment in Ohio for an Intel um, factory for computer chips. That's a long-term investment. And they only make those kind of investments when they have reasonable assurance that the government is going to help them out as far as leaving them alone once they got the approval. Now, arguing about federal land and why there's so much of it, that's a completely different issue, not for tonight. But the bottom line is this. If President Biden would reverse his executive orders regarding fossil fuels and the Keystone Pipeline, that he issued within most of it on the first day, but within the first week of his presidency. He would have the advantage of lowering the cost at the pump for American citizens. He'd have the advantage of the fact that lowering the cost of the pump lowers the cost of transportation which in turn lowers the good price for goods. Something that maybe he, even though he said, that's how you, lo- that's how you lower inflation is by cutting costs. But that's one real way that he could do it, is by increasing the amount of energy production in this country, whether it's coal, natural gas, or oil. Why we don't do nuclear, why we're getting away from nuclear is beyond me because it's by far cleaner than any of the above. I mean, the fact that Hillary Clinton sold 
uh, considerable uranium rights in this country to Russia while she was Secretary of State. Is again a different issue. But here's the foreign policy piece of drill, baby, drill. Vladimir Putin relies nearly exclusively on oil revenues to fund his government. Now, the United States, for whatever reason, has not cut off the financials involved with trading oil for Russia. So, in other words, we're allowing the West to fund Putin's attack on the West through the proxy Ukraine. President Trump said it exactly right, I believe it was 2018, may have been 2019, when he scolded the Germans for one, not providing enough for their defense, but two, funding the military capability of what that whole purpose of that defense was for was against Russia. Although Russia is not an enemy, remember that. We'll be right back. And here we are back. Um, while the president may have spoken of the border and the need for immigration reform, which, by the way, I agree considerably with, he offered the token, we need to secure the border and fix the immigration system. So... The problem with that refrain is that refrain has been used by the Democrats since the 1980s. I'm sorry, has been used by Democrats and corporate-type Republicans since the 1980s to get leniency or amnesty for illegal immigrants today in exchange for some nebulous um, border security tomorrow. Here's the deal. If you have a problem, Biden's administration doesn't acknowledge they have a catastrophe going on at the border or full-blown crisis. But they do. The first thing you have to do is shut off the water. Before you deal with the broken pipes, you got to go out to the water meter and turn the water off to the house or building. You must secure the border. I'm not saying to bar all immigrants. I certainly would never say that. Don't let anybody come in without your permission. 
How long do we have to put up with the cartels running the border? Because they do. They send over the types that are going to be given a free pass somewhere in this country. And while all of the law enforcement agencies in the sector are dealing with that flood of people, out of sight to them, they're going to be crossing over with fentanyl, other drugs, and immigrants that would probably not be able to be let in the United States if they were caught. It's not the United States determining who gets into the United States, it's the cartels. Nobody steps, steps foot in the Rio Grande without the cartel's permission. Many on the right call it an invasion, and I would say it is. I mean, think about this. One of the excuses that Vladimir Putin used to go into eastern Ukraine is he declared these Russian-majority Ukrainian areas. He recognized them as independent states because they were mostly Russian. And he was sending his soldiers in ostensibly as, keep, as uh, peacekeepers. What's to stop another country from doing that in the name of their citizens in our country? So that's part of it. The president seemed to yell a lot, too. I think that he feels like he projects strength when he takes that stern, almost yelling voice. And in reality, of course, he's not projecting anything but weakness when he does that. All the while, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi sit behind him with the appropriate applause lines and such. Demanding health care, which the Senate did, which means what health care means for uh, Democrats right now, is abortion up to the time that you're wheeled out of the hospital to take the baby home. That's what the Democrats in, in the Senate at least stand for, with the exception of Joe Manchin. They're terrified of the Supreme Court putting any kind of limitation on Roe. Or even the possibility the Supreme Court will throw Roe out. Now, it's funny that they're using the right to health care 
to sustain Roe. But Roe wasn't about health care. Roe was about the right of the other mythical right of privacy. So which is it? I want to read something that our vice president said. She was trying to explain what was going on because uh, regarding the war in Ukraine, because it's just, I don't know who she's trying to explain this to. Well, it's in regards to a question uh, that she was given. So she explains the conflict of Ukraine, and I quote, So, Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Now, of course... I'm not going to comment on on the fact that uh, what she said was true. But unless she was talking to a classroom of kindergartners, that comment was ridiculous. The president mentioned education briefly. And the fact that our kids have been really kind of uh, left behind because of the COVID restrictions. And I would point out, of course, that those COVID restrictions for those school districts that stayed out and didn't go back for maybe all of 2020, 2021 school year, I don't know. That was at the behest of the teachers' unions in those cities. And most of those cities or uh, school districts were controlled by Democrats. Because here's the contrast. You have Republicans um, dictating school policy in many states across the country, as well as COVID mandates or restrictions. And predominantly Republican states that lifted their COVID restrictions sooner saw no expected increase of cases of COVID, hospitalizations of COVID, or death. I mean, we all saw, I'm sorry, I got to correct that. We all saw increases in cases. But cases have become somewhat of an irrelevant point with uh, Omicron, which should have been called GXI, like, you know, the Chinese premier. Not after him, of course, just the next letter in the Greek alphabet. It's unfortunate... 
I mean, the numbers, did they did they get off scot-free in those like Florida or Texas? No, absolutely not. They had deaths. They had hospitalizations. They had an explosion of cases. But when you compare, say, Florida to New York, which have similar population sizes, except for the fact that Florida's population is a little bit older, uh, the median average. Their numbers are not statistically out of whack with each other as far as deaths and hospitalizations, which you would expect for a state that ignored, ignored the science and largely came out of COVID restrictions months and months ago. president, of course, wants always to have COVID in his back pocket, even as, as the CDC with no study that I'm aware of, the only science being the political science of the 2022 elections, midterms, pulled back its mask guidelines significantly. They know what's coming. They know the people, American people are sick and tired of masks and hearing about the vaccine, which candidate Trump and Senator Harris both derided right up until they won election in 2020, November of 2020. In fact, they beyond that, they said you cannot trust something developed under Donald Trump. And yet we can see that that was all BS because they got the shots. And not only that, but they wanted to force you to get the shot. If you were to get sick and die as a result of the vaccine for whatever reason, but your loved your loved ones, of course, cannot sue the manufacturer. They've been shielded from liability. You would think with that shield that they now oh, never mind. So they're making all this money off the government. It's in their best interest for the government to continue mandating the vaccines. Simply because every time the government says, you have to get the vaccine, Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J &J here, cha-ching. Not from you, but from the federal government. President Biden lied, well, a number of times. But two lies, very important. One, the Trump tax cuts, 2017. He said it did not help people. That The theory was it would trickle down and that everybody would be lifted up. And guess what? Even the Washington Post, every time he's made that comment, has had to issue 
a fact check giving him at least three Pinocchios, depending on his exact language. For saying that. Because it's obvious as can be the taxes are going to go up. Interest rates are supposed to be going up this year, too. Another significant way that President Biden could deal with inflation would be to submit a draconian, austere budget. That's a huge risk, isn't it? With Putin standing at the ready with his nukes, and even just take the nukes out of this, his ambitions don't start in Ukraine. But here's the deal: it's not likely that Ukraine can hold out. How do you get all these promised weapons to them when the Russians control the airspace? Um, yeah, you know, he makes a move to Poland, to Latvia, Lithuania, or Estonia. Or NATO makes a move towards Finland to become a member of NATO. What then? And so the tanks roll into Estonia. And Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia all go to NATO and say, we're being intact, we'd like to invoke Article 5. What do you think would happen? Now you throw nukes into a mix of troops rolling into Latvia, Estonia, or Lithuania. But they're carrying nukes. What do you do then? It's a tricky subject. Far too tricky for tonight. The State of the Union was a double down of what he's done that has failed. No mention of Afghanistan. A great mention of the of the heroic Ukraine people, Ukrainian people. But what he didn't mention was the fact that he had an opportunity to send lethal aid since he's been office, which Trump did, by the way. And yet the Obama-Biden administration prior to Trump did not also. The time to get weapons to Ukraine was two weeks ago. And if they were sophisticated weapons that needed to be trained, like uh, aircraft or something like that, longer than that.
I completely forgot to mention Convention of States, and so I want to mention that in a separate podcast issue because it's very important what's going on right now. This is Snake River Lib. Mind your business. And if we all followed that, choosing whom we help out rather than send our monies off to an, uh, an entity in Washington, D.C., where they keep most of it before handing out a fraction to those that they perceive as needing it. Some might even call that theft. It's the limb.